Welcome to the Conscious Woman Podcast. This is your host, Pavna Dur. Our goal with this podcast is to bring you interesting and insightful conversations on a range of topics that will support you in both living and leading more consciously. From conscious leadership and conscious inclusion to conscious eating, conscious parenting and conscious fashion. This podcast is in conjunction with the leadership development work that we do to support women leaders in leading with mindfulness and compassion. To learn more, please go to shinomics.com. Welcome everyone to the Conscious Woman podcast. Today we're speaking with Nilima Bhatt. Nilima is a visionary speaker, facilitator and coach in the fields of personal mastery, leadership, gender equality and well-being. She is the author of two books, Shakti, Leadership, Embracing Feminine and Masculine Power in Business, which is what we would be diving into today, and My Cancer in Me, The Journey from Illness to Wholeness. An active supporter of conscious capitalism and women's international networking, Nilima serves on the advisory board of several companies. She is an expert in Indian wisdom and wellness traditions, a certified Chivananda teacher and a practitioner of the integral yoga of Sri Aurobindo and the mother. Nilima is on a mission to create 100,000 women change makers by 2030. I think there's a lot we can all learn from her. So let's dive in. Welcome everyone to the Conscious Woman podcast. Today I am delighted to welcome a very special guest, Nilima Bhatt, who is the author of the Shakti Leadership and the founder of the Shakti Fellowship, among many other laudable initiatives. But really the reason why I'm so excited to speak to Nilima is because she has done a great amount of work around this concept of conscious leadership something I'm really passionate about. So thank you so much, Nilima, for joining us today for this conversation. So nice to be with you, Bhavna. Always a delight. You've invited me a few times and every time has been fulfilling. So nice to be with Sister on the Path. That's so wonderful to hear, Nilima. All right, so let's begin first of all by defining conscious leadership because a lot of people may not be aware of what this even is. So how would you define what is a conscious leader? Good question. It's being used a lot these days and good. That's a good thing. The way I define conscious leadership because of my yoga background is that for us to show up in leadership, we need to be from the inside out, we should have done the hard work of inner transformation as leaders. We should have learned how to sufficiently control and transcend our limited ego self that is typically fear-based and coming from narrow self-interest. And we should have the capacity to stand in our core self, our essence, our true self, our higher self, whatever you want to give that other side of our being that is more in touch with the universal oneness and in touch with each other's greater good. Any leader who has put in the work to show up in this way would be a conscious leader. All right, looking at the big picture for a moment, especially when we look at what the situation is currently like for women, as World Economic Forum report just came out recently and it says it's going to be at least another 135 years before we see gender parity globally. 
If you look at the situation in India as well, the latest World Bank report cited a fairly alarming statistics saying if you look at the participation of women in the workforce, it is now down to single digits, 9%, which is the lowest it has been over the last, easily in the last 30 years. So my question to you, Nilima, because I know both you and I are very passionate about creating a more supportive ecosystem for women. Do you think if all of us, men, women, all of us, if we step up as conscious leaders, can we create a future that is more favorable for everyone, but especially so for women? Yes, absolutely. In fact, I feel there may be a reason why women are stepping out of the workforce and not joining in the numbers they should. I feel we are at a great moment in history across the world. It's a civilizational turn, the end of patriarchy, where systems and businesses were led by men, created by men, for men, and the roles were such that women held down the home and family upbringing, caretaking, and so on. But now if women have to go into the workforce, it's not a world that works for women. And women would rather create a whole new way of doing business in a more reciprocal way, in a more conscious way, in a more collaborative way. I think they're just getting burned out. It's like wearing the wrong shoes or being given a, being given a wrong set of clothes because you walk into a culture that is not aligned with your innate nature. And then you've got to become someone you are not. And at some point you feel inauthentic and you say, whoa, do I really need this? So I would like to think it's not as if women are not productive or not contributing to the world's economies and ecologies and societies and cultures. Far from it, they're still doing what they do. It's just that it's not being measured in the way it needs to be measured. And the question that the whole system, the leaders of these systems need to ask themselves is, do we want to create more equitable workspaces? And what is that going to take? And then how do we invite all genders to say, let's go create, let's collaborate and figure out the new system because the old one served its purpose and it's unidimensional. It, work, it works only for one group. <laughs> it doesn't work for all, in, all groups of people. Yeah, very true. And one of the ideas that, that I really love that you sh also share in your book, Shakti Leadership, is this idea of if we're going to restore the imbalance that we currently see. Because as you said, right now, the workforce at least is, uh, we do see masculine quote-unquote masculine values dominate dominant in the workforce and if we're going to restore balance you talk about this idea of both men and women indeed people of all genders really leading from a place of wholeness embracing their inner masculine and inner feminine tell us more about that because that could be a way forward for all of us yes absolutely so my background, as I said, is yoga and in Hong Kong, I was invited to work with Hong Kong University on understanding Chinese medicine and the Taoist principles and bringing that to social health and 
in cancer and so i got to understand the way systems contain equilibrium and grow from dynamic equilibrium and to look at any disease or any dysfunction with that lens of the breakdown in equilibrium so both the yogic and the chinese and this exists across traditions if you look deeply into all cultures the understanding that there are two primary principles there's a masculine principle and there's a feminine principle in any system and those two energies or principles polarities need to be in a healthy dynamic dance with each other of reciprocity for the whole system to be unlocking its innate energy its shakti as we call it so that the system is fueled it's kept going it's kept energized and vitalized right so if you look at all the problems today because of patriarchal systems too much masculine energy has been developed and feminine energy has simply been not developed or suppressed or kept out of the system we're looking at an imbalance if this were a chinese doctor and he had to diagnose this this system as a person and say what's the dysfunction or the disease of this person he would simply say too much yang not enough yin and just dial it up and dial it down to rebalance the system so how do we apply it to leadership we the concept in the yogic tradition Shiva is our mindfulness, our awareness, our consciousness, our stillness with which we can witness and hold something in its steady state. But then Shakti is its creative force that goes out and drives change and creates and recreates and also brings the juice and joy to life, right? So in any system we should have a balance of both for it to really feel worth it. right why are we uh, going about doing what we do if it's if it's not going to be joyful at the end of it if it's not going to be truly productive uh, at the end of it and the mistake we have made because of just lower levels of consciousness in our culture and in humanity we think what's good for me is all i need it's okay if it's not good for others now i think finally the species has reached a point especially after covid where you realize none of us are okay until all of us are okay and that we are not separate from the system we live in there is no other you know saying throw it away there's no away everything you junk and leave undigested and unprocessed on the outside comes back inside and affects you so this thing about truly balancing and returning to a state of health whether it is our own mental health whether our own physical health whether our own organizational vitality right whether the regeneration of our cultures of our soil of our societies of our countries everything boils down to using this lens to diagnose what do we have too much of what do we have too little of how do we rebalance those polarities such that it works for all because the only win is a win there is no win lose because ultimately it's a lose lose Yes, so true. And just to clarify Nilima because I often get pushed back on this concept sometimes when I talk about masculine values and feminine values. These are more conceptual and philosophical. It's a philosophical de- delineation. It's not necessarily gendered in the sense that only feminine equates always with a man or feminine always equates with a woman because 
you do have a lot of individuals who may not identify with either gender are non-binary you would you say this holds true for everyone irrespective of what your gender identity might be this is such a good question you know the book came out in 2016 so i've had this question many times and the simplest way to explain or respond is to say polarity exists in every system for it to exist right i call it the horseshoe magnet if you didn't have a north pole and a south pole you if you put a wire through the space between the horseshoe ends there would be no electricity there would be no unlocking of potential energy into electrical energy which would then run the system so it's there is a purpose to polarity yes everything is one and we are all born equal and each one of us has a unique role to play regardless of our size our gender our caste our color anything right the fact that we exist we have a right to exist okay and we have a unique contribution with whatever it makes us unique okay but inside each unique unit that's you me anything okay there exists a polarity because each unit needs to be self sustained and self generative and that polarity therefore it has been it's not a bug of the system it's a feature of the design <laughs> right it's not a bug it's a feature so we yeah. each given this polarity and how we express the combination of both so very simply uh, anything yang or masculine and again because of the english language the word male and masculine gets equated and then there's a, but say in chinese for example or even in even in the yogic tradition everyone okay maybe we say shiva and shakti but we know even shakti has a masculine fierce aspect and a compassionate feminine loving aspect so even within shakti there is a, a more active kind of masculine yang energy and a more receptive softer feminine energy right so in the chinese way anything active is called masculine or yang and anything receptive is called yin feminine right it receives what's active so maybe these terms got created because we look all around in nature everything comes in pairs right there is a male and female of every species pretty much and then you have the minority hermaphrodites and so on so i think just looking at the fact that nature has created two genders broadly uh and then the discovery that there are two principles in nature as well that are both needed in a dance to create and sustain each system i think the the connection between yang masculine being male and yin feminine being female got made just historically and across cultures and i think that's how the the more simple cultures organized themselves so the male of the species had to go out there and fight and kill and bring the the food home and fight the wars and do the protection and so the male of the species ended up honing the masculine energy more and the female of the species just because of role demarcation and getting organized socially saying okay the female of the species was the one bring giving birth and therefore doing the caring and the nurturing 
it's as societies have become more evolved civilizations have become more evolved and complex that we have naturally arrived at a moment in our own evolution as a species that each individual is saying why should i be gendered even if i'm born in a female body i enjoy my masculine energy i enjoy my feminine energy can i express them both in a unique combination that is me also at the same time it's not just an inner search for wholeness because ultimately each of us is meant to become psychologically spiritually whole okay i must tell you my father lancy's story right he used to always joke and tell us he said even biologically it looks like the body is trying to get to that combination of male female within saying as men grow older they grow breasts <laughs> and as women grow older they grow beards yes <laughs> that is true it feels like there is an innate drive already embedded into us trying to get us to inner union of our masculine and feminine polarities physically mentally spiritually and we are each going to therefore have to be whole to come into our full shakti in fact that's the other thing we say in shakti leadership to come into your full power you need to become a whole person if you're not psychologically whole it's like having gone to the gym and only worked one bicep and forgotten about the other yes yes very true and love i absolutely love this idea of creating this harmony and balance between these two polarities that you talk about getting practical for a moment though nilimam in the workplace because as of right now as you rightly observed right now the culture just by virtue of the fact that men did enter the workforce first and in larger numbers the culture masculine values are dominant um, and as women to survive many women have adopted a quote unquote masculine way of working and leading uh, as we strive for this balance one of, one of one of the areas where one of the problems we run into as women in particular is this double bind bias that i know you're familiar with if we lean too much towards our towards or we work too much with a masculine energy we are called aggressive if we work too much with a feminine energy we're called weak so we're constantly feeling like we have to do this fine dance and it can be quite stressful so how do we create this balance both within but also the, how do we create greater acceptance of this balance internally as well so before i answer that we must step back and recognize that this kind of imbalanced development too masculine and not enough feminine has not just hurt women but also men right all of us and all genders have borne the price paid the price of that imbalance so imagine men come to work having to suppress and leave behind their softer compassionate feminine side it's cutting off a part of your soul and self and leaving that behind that can be extremely debilitating and i'm any person any male who has done any kind of self reflection would not feel good about having to show up in this hyper masculine way 
so it's not just the men who it's not like men have it easy by showing up at work because they're still having to show up in an imbalanced way in a imbalanced space and that on the inside doesn't feel congruent that develops tremendous stress from within which you can put a lid on but then it shows up as disease or mental health breakdown or something later somewhere yeah people act men act out at home or at work and all the aggression it's a big price they pay and society pays okay coming to women so women we all need to put food on the table and the system has been set up such that we've got to enter a workforce and earn a paycheck so they go in there thinking i've got a man up and then they come up against the societal expectations of what a woman should be and the only way to deal with this babka is like my men, my guru is the mother shri aurobindo and her quote is the future belongs to those with the soul of a hero right it's not the gender of the hero it's of the heroic within us so the men and the women coming into the workforce having to deal with some challenge or the other in a woman's case oh gosh i have to encounter this bias and either i'm being perceived and called just bitchy or you know this whatever you said right uh, just too aggressive not woman and not feminine or then i'm seen as a pushover if she recognizes that this is my adventure this is my cross to bear and i am going to go in there as the hero of my adventure i want to choose this challenge to to work it and to resolve it to show up first in such a way within and do the work of integrating my healthy masculine integrating my healthy masculine my healthy feminine side feeling psychologically resilient and whole from within and then i show up at work and i take it case by case if someone the first of all when i am present and psychologically whole i show up in such a way that i can be soft and strong i can be courageous and compassionate so in a way I'm, the woman is being called to raise her game now of course we can say that's unfair she's already put in so much work she's already operating with such a disadvantage and now to put in even more work you just have to say what if my core is strong enough to deal with this and that is why i have chosen this experience so the only if you can't change the circumstances then reframe the challenge for yourself make it a high quality story instead of a poor me story yes absolutely and i love absolutely love the work all the work that you reference around the hero's journey because especially in my life when i look back the hero's journey i have to say literally saved me because i remember 10 years ago when i was at a crossroads not knowing what i should do next and what turn my life could take next i i stumbled upon joseph campbell's work and i found so much solace in his work because he lays out the map for everyone so i'd love for you to actually share more about the hero's journey and how we as individuals and leaders can use the hero's journey to guide our path of becoming a conscious leader so the hero's journey is core to the shakti leadership framework and model 
and uh, it's essentially saying that to come into our fullness and our power and individuate into the unique being we're going to have to make a journey and a journey from our innocence and adolescence into our adulthood and that requires dying in some way <laughs> and leaving your comfort zone in some way and then facing down some terrible fear the one thing you really don't want to do but that's what's keeping you from your growth so you have to go on this journey you have to face down your fear you have to die in some way but the good news is you will be sent allies even as you're being sent enemies and then you have to reframe your allies as your coaches and your enemies as your challengers and how you can work with one set of helpers lifting you up even as another set of challengers and villains are pushing you out of your comfort zone right so together they are actually serving your growth so we say neither friend nor foe all alike are your teachers and they are the perfect cast of characters who will show up at the perfect time when your being is ready for that journey to wholeness and we don't make that journey once we make it many times so there's a lot i talk about in the book the three journeys to adventure and romance and enlightenment and so the question i asked myself is do we have to go through a crisis in order to go on this journey or can we come into our growth in a more uh, harmonious way so we also describe in the book how to make the journey consciously the conscious hero's journey saying don't wait for a whack from the universe notice when your life becomes stagnant and then you know it's time to grow again it's time to go again on the journey and then you willingly allow a dissolution you willingly give up on something that is currently your comfort zone you willingly let some old ways to die like you just moved to singapore that would be a conscious heroic journey instead of and it was all perfect fine why do we have to move can't we just ride into the sunset and we are now all done no as long as we are alive we are going to journey again and again because our growth is unlimited and each growth requires a heroic process a journey to go on crisis trauma transformation gift to look at it in just simple four steps you can go through waiting for an evolutionary impulse and nudge from the universe and take it right that wave allow a dissolution of some kind engage some unrealized potential then evolve in some way and then bring resolution bring some gift the elixir that you get from your evolution bring it back to resolve some of society's problems right your community's problems and then become the medicine for that community you are embedded in so you can make these journeys consciously it requires more effort typically we have so much tamas in such inertia that we are given these whacks from the universe but when we start getting a little more conscious and we can make conscious journeys in right time in due time till we come and rest for a bit when all looks good and it's time to go on a journey again now women make journeys too and so it's not just a hero's journey uh Maureen Murdoch wrote the incredible book the heroine's journey and basically saying that women because of their patriarchal circumstances they have to make the journey into their freedom right to individuate out of societal norms and eventually become their own mother and their own beloved because most women have not been mothered 
because our mothers were also daughters of the patriarchy so we haven't been mothered into our own full power we have been also cultured to become patriarchal daughters right so you become your own mother and then you become your own lover because one way in which we lose our power as women is the myth of romance we think we will be complete and completed by some external lover some knight in shining armor who's going to show up and then I'll wake up and be happily ever after it <laughs> no that doesn't work that's a terrible expectation to project upon some poor unsuspecting you have to complete yourself you have to become your own lover they have to make their journeys to their own parenting and their self parenting and their self loving yes absolutely and I, and that again goes back to your point of really creating that harmony within not just between that inner masculine inner feminine as you've just said between that inner parent and our inner child as well it's so important what would you say what is the role compassion self compassion especially can play in a woman's journey a woman's heroic journey to becoming a conscious leader so maybe i just complete what you just said earlier that to come into our wholeness we don't just integrate the masculine feminine polarity within we also have to integrate the parent child you know what eric burn in transactionalist talks about so in shakti leadership the one statement that captures the entire framework and model the mahavakya if shakti leadership is an upanishad would be becoming the wise fool of tough love okay so that really says it all it's that one statement contains the whole model so wise is becoming your parent self your own parent fool is becoming integrating and loving your own inner fool the child self who gives you wonder and curiosity and innocence and not losing that right having the capacity to stay hungry stay foolish as steve jobs said right that comes from that inner child and then of course tough love having access to your inner masculine knowing to draw the boundaries being tough and the inner feminine is knowing how to be loving and compassionate to everybody including yourself right becoming the wise fool of tough love so in a woman's case she has been cultured to be the caretaker of others right and in the process she may not have remembered to or even given herself permission to caretake herself and in the process she gets burned out she gets depleted and she remains incomplete and undeveloped in her fullness so very often we take the mother for granted we take the wife for granted we take the, the feminine gets taken for granted because all the the kind of limelight and focus is on the masculine right which is so much more active and visible and the feminine is the it holds the space so for a woman the capacity for self love and self compassion is so important because until she can fill her own cup how can she take care of anyone else right from an empty cup you are running you know you're running on empty so you got nothing to give and then you're kind of pulling on resources that will make you sick eventually you burn out so a woman 
has to give herself permission that putting on that oxygen mask on herself is not a selfish act it is the ultimate act of selflessness because from self care will she be able to show up and be there for her loved ones yes absolutely nilima i'd be curious to know what are some nurturing practices that that you observe on a daily basis that allow you to create this inner balance and wholeness i guess we all have our own nurturing practices my invitation to everyone and myself is yes it feels wonderful to just go take a break and read a book or get a massage or watch some silly romantic rom-com or whatever yes that's fine but then i say when you're neck deep in the swamp fighting crocodiles it's difficult to remember that you can drain out the swamp right that was the original idea so i always tell people go to the source to replenish yourself because then you are tapping into an unlimited fountain and it, you know you it's always there for you you don't go and need to do these little bits and bobs which run out of steam very quickly and are not really reconnecting you with source so in a funny way if you learn the practices of reconnecting with your own source of shakti and your own presence then from that you get regenerated and revitalized and you get perked up so my self self care and my nourishing practices like i wake up in the morning and i keep the curtains of my window parted a little bit because it faces the window faces the east and literally when i open my eyes there is a crack the sun comes exactly through on my pillow and i just feel so good it's like here is my waking with a connection to the source of life and energy itself and i don't jump out of bed i just stay until i receive the sunlight on my face on my chakras i enter into a grateful re- relationship and dialogue with this for me the sun is a source of divinity through which i can get truly fully energized and i enter into relationship with it so i bring it down into every cell of my body i see those rays of sunlight becoming tiny droplets into every cell and every cell becoming like a little smiley <laughs> lit up with this golden yellow smile and then each cell radiating like a sun so once i feel like i am now fully with this light within then i get up and go about my day through the day i make sure to take a lot of breaks when you're you're just busy and you know you have to do something i just know if i'm running on empty however important the deadline there's no point sitting there with one stressed out body mind trying to do it so i'll just put the computer on sleep and i go take a break i breathe i stretch and babra you asking me this question when my journey began in 19 98 towards living a more conscious life and so it's in a very different place today the breakfast we have will be red rice idlis like whole foods i've turned predominantly vegetarian i was raised with in a very hardcore non-veg kind of family 
so I've slowly given up. I just do some seafood occasionally, but it's all otherwise whole foods and and even that I think I'm going to give up pretty soon. Maybe this birthday itself, we'll see. Yoga is such a core part of my life. Having just put this body into muscle memory around yoga asanas with just years and years of being on the mat. Physically and emotionally, just continuing to check in on, am I feeling okay? What's bothering me right now? Okay, stop and metta, do the metta practice uh, or do the ho'oponopono with it, right? May you be, may you be happy. May you be free from all suffering. May I be well, may I be happy. May I be free from all suffering, right? So once you sit down and do some metta, you digest and process that stressful energy until you feel okay again. Please forgive me. I'm sorry. I love you. I thank you. And I welcome us back into the light. Or Louise Hay's affirmation, all is well. Everything is working out for our highest good. Out of this situation, only good will come. I'm safe. Or the presence affirmation that we teach, I have nothing to defend, nothing to promote, nothing to fear. I am here now. All I need is within me. All I need comes to me. All I need flows through me. I am enough. I have enough. And there is enough for all to share. So these are like inner psycho-spiritual practices that are little quick dips into your own river of Shakti and presence. So beautiful. Thank you so much, Nilima, for sharing all of these beautiful practices and affirmations because I, there's so much power in, in, in all of them. Beautiful. Nilima, as we, as we wrap up, I'd love to know what does the next phase of Hero's Journey, your Hero's Journey, look like? What's your next call to adventure? Just so excited today as we speak. As you said, Shakti Leadership came out in 2016, but it's like got a life of its own and it just keeps growing in the most beautiful ways. In 2020, with the George Floyd killing, I had a very strong need to co-convene the Truth and Reconciliation Movement from the inside out, saying while governments will do Truth and Reconciliation commissions, South Africa, now Canada, so what can an individual anywhere in the world do to clean out their own inner traumas, right? And raise their own harmony levels. Because what is inside will show outside in the world in some way. So we began the inner truth and reconciliation work with this movement. And it was in it, it's now in its third year. We just concluded it. It's on the Guru Purnima week every year. And it's aligning with the idea of finding the inner guru the inner, the higher self within and showing the world to peace and unity, which is India's spiritual destiny. So how can we contribute to that? So this is the truth and reconciliation work with Christian Engvig of the Wind Conference and Kiran Reddy of Helmopate. And then the other inspired idea was we need to create a Shakti Kumbh, right? Because if we need to work for the regeneration of Mother India, a regenerative renaissance of Mother India, we need to revitalize Bharata Shakti, right? Which is the soul force of this land and these people. So let's gather the women because 
The Kumbh Mela is the world's largest spiritual gathering and it's mainly men. Women get a small little tent somewhere maybe and they are welcomed but they simply it's a masculine and male spirituality based event. The truth is India and the Akhand Bharat, the mother civilization of India that has gone into many other parts of the subcontinent has so many shakti based indic knowledge systems lineages about the chausat yogini traditions the dasha mahavidya who are the ashtamatrika and how do we bring these women and their lineages these masters and mystics and teachers uh the female lines how do we gather them so that there is a confluence between them and there is a regeneration and ventilation of these systems that may have been lost with the intention that the women who come will get spiritually awakened into their shakti and then they go out there and become change makers in all domains amazing that sounds amazing for anyone who's listening and who would like to support this incredible initiative how do they what should they do just write to me neelima at shaktileadership.com okay and we'll take it from there our website is shaktileadership.com www.shaktileadership.com you'll find everything there what's going on in the world of shakti beautiful beautiful my last question to you neelima one of the things we talk about in our work on becoming a conscious woman is that being conscious is also about being conscious of the values that you live and lead with so i'd love to know from you what are those values for you that are absolutely core to who you are i have so many values and values change as you grow and evolve and so today the ones that most call me are the core powers of shakti and what they represent wisdom mm-hmm. strength harmony and perfection and these are the fourfold selves within us the four core archetypes that we need to come into in order to come into our wholeness right so these become the values i want to live by and i want to be led by great beautiful what a great set of values thank you nilima i just want to take a moment to acknowledge you as well because in your work you you really live and breathe your work when you talk about this idea of how we all have in innate infinite innate power and all of us can move to this model of power with and not just power over i see that in you in in how you interact with others and how you're doing such incredible work in creating these conscious communities for women and for everyone else so thank you for all the the great work that you're doing you really are an inspiration to all of us thank you so much bhavna you know i think jean houston talks about the entelechy right that inside each of us is a seed is a is something that needs to manifest and express and you will be sick or dysfunctional or feel unfulfilled until you can fully express what's inside that entelechy so my invitation to everyone is go out there and live all the joy that's inside you sometimes even going through a struggle is a joy so it's not like it's just going to be smooth and flow all the time but then it's still joyful it's still worth it because you're doing something meaningful 
Yes, let's all live from a place of joy and meaning. On that note, Nilima, thank you so much. It was truly a pleasure speaking to you today. Thank you, Bhavna. Thanks for inviting me. Thank you for listening. I hope you found the conversation to be insightful. If you did, please do leave us a review as that would be most helpful in helping others discover this podcast as well. To learn more about the work that we do, please go to shinomics.com. We look forward to having you tune in again for future episodes. Until then, may you be well, may you be happy, and may you be at peace. Like this Sochcast? Tune in for more with the Sochcast app from the Google Play Store.